0: And now, here's Philip.
1: All righty, we are back with another Wealth Building Made Simple. And I have my man, Trey Sellers. Here, what's going on, Trey?
2: Uh, Doing great. Happy to be back.
1: Well, yeah, and it's been like almost a year, right? It was around this time last year when we last talked. I
2: think a little bit more than a year. A lot's happened. Uh, My world is very interesting over the last year, and especially the last few months. Uh, Never a dull moment.
1: Yeah yeah we we uh it was it was just crazy time and the topic that we talked about and then the and then the how 2022 played out with all the FTX stuff and you know Binance and so we'll you know we'll go into we'll you know recap that episode and and, and go into uh sure. what you know what we discussed but before we before we begin like can you give everybody your background who didn't listen to the last episode
2: yeah, so uh, my name is Trey Sellers. Uh, I am VP of Client Solutions at Unchained Capital. Um, Unchained helps people hold their own Bitcoin in a way that has no counterparty risk to us or anybody else. Um, so we t- help, help people to take it off of the exchange that they're in full control over it, um, but also doesn't have any single points of failure, right? So um, we guide people through a process of understanding how Bitcoin private keys work, building a vault, as we call it, using some functionality that is built into Bitcoin called multi-sig, and that allows for us to eliminate that single point of failure. And we hold a key as part of that multi-sig quorum alongside our clients so that we can be there to help them recover in case something happens um, so that we can be there for them in case something happens to them uh, and that Bitcoin needs to be passed down to their next of kin, their family members. Uh, We're in a position to help there. Um, But most importantly, while you're still alive, we help you to gain a really good understanding and education around Bitcoin, how to hold it in the best possible way, and then provide support uh, throughout that journey. Uh, And then above and beyond that, we offer some value added financial services that are built specifically for Bitcoiners, right? So uh, we have the ability for our clients to buy Bitcoin directly with us. Um, We have Bitcoin backed loans. Um, and maybe we want to talk a little bit more about how we differentiate in that approach relative to everybody else around us who is collapsing. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: and then uh, we also have a Bitcoin IRA. Uh, so for anybody out there who is looking to secure Bitcoin on their own keys, real Bitcoin that they hold, uh, but within the context of a retirement account, we can help with that as well. Um, so, and that's, that's you know, new then, right? That's pretty... Uh, we, we've had it over the last year or so. It's definitely grown a lot. Uh, so we can definitely dig into exactly what that looks like and how that structure works. Uh, it was very popular. Uh, we've we've certainly helped onboard a lot of people who have had dollars locked in the fiat financial system within these retirement accounts um, who want to hold Bitcoin and want to uh, hold their own keys. They understand the importance of doing that, uh, which is the hot topic for for the last month or so as FTX collapses, as BlockFi goes into bankruptcy. Yeah, well, there's questions about Binance, too, man. We, we don't exactly know what's <laughs> going on underneath the hood. Um, CZ over there certainly is very confident in the way that he approaches uh, his dialogue with the world. But um, the reality of the situation is that you can't know, right? It's a black box. Um, There were a lot of people who thought FTX was solid on the up and up and their money was safe there, and they found out very quickly that that was not true. They had to learn that lesson the hard way. Right. So, um, you know, my job is to help people to gain that understanding, hopefully not the hard way, uh, Mm -hmm. but either way to help them realize the importance of holding their own Bitcoin um, and then helping them to do it in the best possible way. So they don't have to feel like they're having to figure it out on their own. Uh, they don't have to feel like they're out on an island um, and with nobody to turn to when they have questions. Um, and so they uh, can feel really comfortable and really confident in the way everything is working. Right. That that's uh, that's what we do.
1: And 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 this will move to the first question. And 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 when you're answering it, maybe you can give like a a brief primer on on. You know, so so the, here's the question, I think you'll answer it. I don't got to give you a primer. You, you'll you probably answer it properly. Why did people lose their coins with FTX and, you know, the other other places that are uh, that are losing customer
2: coins? Like how did they actually like lose their coins? Right. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the first thing to say here in answering this question is that uh, those people actually didn't have any coins to lose. They actually just had IOUs. right? Um, FTX, when it filed for bankruptcy, had $1.4 billion worth of Bitcoin liabilities. They owed their customers $1.4 billion worth of Bitcoin. Um, They had zero on their balance sheet, a big goose egg. (laughs) Um, So they were massively short Bitcoin, a little side tangent here. You should never short bitcoin we've seen what happens to people who do um it may seem profitable in the short term when the price has been dropping the way that it has over the last year uh, but people get wrecked very very quickly when they're short bitcoin let that be a lesson to everybody out there who's, who's thinking of doing something so crazy um so recognizing first that when you're holding bitcoin Uh, so to speak, on an exchange like an FTX or a Binance or a Coinbase or a Gemini or a Kraken uh, or a BlockFi, you don't actually own Bitcoin. You have an IOU and you've got to hope that when it comes time to access that money, either by wanting to withdraw it to your own private keys or uh, cashing it out to dollars and, and or moving it from one institution to the next, that they are going to have that actual Bitcoin to uh, to make good on that IOU, uh, and or they're going to allow you to make that transaction, right? It's a permissioned environment. And uh, they don't necessarily have to give you the Bitcoin that they owe you. Uh, and they may not be able to, as as we've seen. Um, a little more context, though, on how they lost all of the Bitcoin that was supposed to be owed to their, their clients, uh, which is that they were operating very much like the traditional fiat financial system, right? Which is they're holding a very small amount of the assets that they owe, the liabilities that they have in reserve. Um, they are rehypothecating them; they're lending them out to various different counterparties. Those counterparties are doing the same thing in search of yield, uh, and so you get this daisy chain of counterparty risk. And as soon as one link in that chain becomes insolvent or has has trouble meeting uh, any kind of redemption requests that they are getting from their investors, um, that kickstarts uh, an entire uh, cascade of, of margin calls, essentially. Uh, and if one person can't make that margin call, it just continues upstream until uh, you have an entire ecosystem of people who are insolvent. Uh, and that's what we've seen, right? It kind of started back in June with Three Arrows Capital and Celsius and Voyager and, and all of those um the the Terra Luna thing right um and we we saw a wave of liquidations we saw the price um get slammed down in an initial selling burst uh that was primarily driven by people selling liquid assets um anything that's not nailed down including Bitcoin in order to come up with dollars to meet that margin call that they're getting right Um, and that is the way that the financial system works right now, right? We have essentially a, uh, a global margin call for dollars happening. When, um, the debt that is out there that the entire financial system is built on, um, when, when there's any stress in the system, there's a scramble to get dollars to pay Mm -hmm. down debt, um, or people are, are recalling some of the loans that they've put out, which causes the people who have borrowed from them to have to scramble to get dollars. Right. And as that happens, you start seeing a lot of stress in the financial system uh, because while credit is expanding in the world we live in, things seem to do OK. Right. Mm -hmm. But as soon as again, there's some kind of hitch in the system, as soon as there's some kind of stress that's introduced, um, like maybe the entire world being shut down uh, (laughs) in the wake of of COVID. Um, that type of stress, the this, this system is not built to handle it and right. so you start getting all of these these liquidations, these margin calls. Um, and that's what's caused a lot of the devastation in risk assets, not only you know Bitcoin in the larger um, crypto ecosystem, but also in, in financial assets right we, We've seen um, a, a massive sell-off in bonds uh, unlike anything uh in history really right um and you can see all, all this volatility and yields that have been happening uh it's been a crazy year um the, the question then becomes where do we go from here um well, we started seeing another domino fall with FTX um, they were uh had some connectivity to uh liabilities with uh, some of the other counterparties that had failed earlier in the summer those start to come due and all of a sudden, they're in a liquidity crunch as well, right? So, um, the the system has to be cleared out at a certain point. Uh, it does take time. People are scrambling to try to save themselves, uh, but there's there's no way to um, to resolve this situation without being able to print money, as can happen in the fiat world. Uh, but if that's not an option, that debt that um, those margin calls need to be cleared. It needs to be liquidated, uh, and so that's the process that we're going through right now: is clearing out all of that, uh, all of that debt, all that leverage that had built up uh, over the course of the the prior, you know, two, three, four years. Yeah, and I, and I'm glad
1: we're having this conversation because this is this is no different than what happened in, in, in 08, right? With the whole like it's it's all timelines are kind of almost. You had like a June 20, 2027, Type, you know, fiasco. You had the uh, the, the 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 summer August uh, bond market kind of telling you something was a bit off. Mm-hmm. Um, you have very similar deals, and I think, or at least in the fiat currency world, you know, you you have the perception that people didn't lose their money because they can just make the money worth less and you still see it in your account, right? Which is why Bitcoin became a thing after that. Uh, but yeah, since you know, similar deal. So and, and so this is kind of this kind of um, and, and I want to uh, we kind of hit on it, but I want to ask the question to see if you have anything uh, to add to it, because there there are parallels to the old system yeah. Um, and, and we'll get into why Bitcoin fixes it if you own it properly. Right. That's true. Um, but, how, you know, uh, how, how is what happened in Bitcoin and crypto uh, different than the legacy system? But we kind of already answered. It. It's not it's the
2: same thing, basically, right? Yeah. Um, the, the main difference to just reiterate is that there is no lender of last resort for Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. There's nobody who is in charge of the money supply or has the ability to come in and bail people out with freshly printed Bitcoin uh, to make good on those Bitcoin liabilities that are there. There's no lender of last resort like the Fed, right? Um, And so again, that that puts people who are short Bitcoin in a very dangerous position because as soon as uh, those IOUs are called in by the people who uh, are, are owed them, they've got to come up with that Bitcoin and if they can't do that because they've lent it out to somebody else uh, or they've otherwise encumbered it um, there's no there's nobody to turn to for a bailout Uh, so that's really the key difference here Um, there's nobody in charge of Bitcoin there's nobody that you can call up and say we need an emergency bailout uh, unless that's coming from somebody else who already owns some Bitcoin, right? There could be some people out there who own some Bitcoin and they think, hey, this is a good opportunity to scoop up a, a business uh, on the cheap. But um, you know, unless something like that happens, there there's no there's no other option out there for for people who are short of Bitcoin.
1: There uh, there, there and, and there's see no the results of that. Yeah, there's no opportunity to be a helicopter parent. You can't be a helicopter parent with your money in Bitcoin. That's right. That's and right.
2: Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, Bitcoin. Uh, it it enforces radical responsibility. Right. You've got nobody there to come and bail you out if you make bad decisions with your Bitcoin, if you don't protect it correctly, right? This is the other side of this of this coin, which is that it is scary for a lot of people to hold their own Bitcoin. It's something that we're not used to in the fiat world. Uh, so going a little bit more to, to your question there, um, you know, in the fiat world, we trust other people with our money, all of our money. That's actually very dangerous to do because at a certain point, you may not be able to access it, right? Um, There were some truckers earlier in the year who had trouble accessing Mm -hmm. their money. Um, Feel how you will about their position and and what they were advocating for. Um, The point remains, it's a bad idea to have the entirety of your wealth that is tied up where your political enemies, let's say, Could shut it down mm-hmm. uh, because you know it's a pretty divided world, right? We've seen um, all of the the kind of chaos over the last you know four or five years. Um, just think about it this way, right? You, you probably have a position on you know one way or another. If you're if if the person on the other side of that of that aisle from you, uh, if that's not somebody that you want to have an off switch to your money, you should probably. Um, think about diversifying away from the financial system, uh, and into money that you can actually control. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is make that process really easy and accessible for people and give them the ability to have support without having to trust us with their money, right. Or anybody else they can trust themselves, but also, um, have a lifeline and have some guidance throughout that whole process so we can we can dig into how that how that works a little bit
1: yeah yeah definitely definitely and 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 before and before we go there too like can you so we have kind of talked about bitcoin being a in my mind a digital switzerland right terrible analogy but similar for like people who for generations haven't wanted to want to be outside the financial system they would have like accounts in switzerland or even Offshore, which is, you know, uh, we really know where offshore is London Banks or or (laughs) Bahamas. But like, but like now Bitcoin is even better than that because it's the the
2: Bahamas hanging out with SBF down there. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, but, but the other coins are not so much like, like Switzerland because you, you have the perceived. Well, let me let you answer it. Like, what's the difference between Bitcoin and other coins, like from your perspective?
2: Yeah. Yeah. The the differences are, firstly, that Bitcoin operates completely independently of any person, any government, any corporation. There is nobody in charge of it. Um, In a way, there's nobody in charge of it. In a way, everybody who engages with the network is in charge of it for themselves. Um, When you're running a Bitcoin node, when you're running that software, you don't have to rely on anybody or trust anybody to tell you what is happening within the bitcoin system um, you can fully verify everything that's happening you can fully verify all of your transactions and if you have the private keys to that bitcoin nobody can spend your bitcoin without your consent nobody can take it away from you or shut you down or anything like that it operates completely independently of any person or organization. Um, That is not true of literally everything else that's out there, right? Um, So it really comes back to the core thing that makes Bitcoin valuable and puts it in the position that it is, is that it is decentralized to such an extent that nobody controls it. Um, Because nobody controls it, again, you can't manipulate it, um, not only for individual holdings i um, like, I know my holdings can't just be summarily shut down from me. I always have control of it, um, but the system as a whole cannot be manipulated. It can't be changed. That 21 million Bitcoin, that is um, really the core foundation of what Bitcoin's value is built off of. There will never be more than 21 million. Nobody anywhere in the world can change that. Nobody can change it. It is set in stone. It is completely unalterable, um, and and that is not true of any other of these things that are out there. When people ask me this question, like, why Bitcoin? Why, what about all this other stuff? Um, really, what I tell them is, look, if you haven't done the work, sometimes it can be hard to discern between these things. You have to come to an understanding of what Bitcoin is and how it works um, in order to kind of separate the wheat from the chaff uh for this other stuff and why what they're doing is is not workable um but as a shorthand when you're getting started in this if you're new to you know asking the question what is bitcoin and and why is it important um start out with this heuristic there's bitcoin there's everything else bitcoin is where the signal is the rest is noise Hmm. the rest of it exists on a spectrum that uh goes from misguided and infeasible in, in doing the things that they claim that they can do. On the other side of that is outright scam. Hmm. And it skews toward outright scam. If you use that as a heuristic, you're going to be OK. right? You're going to be in a position where you're not trying to chase phantom things uh, in, in the hopes of getting rich quick, um, holding Bitcoin for the long term. As we've seen, it is volatile. Um, the world around it is volatile as well um, in terms of its price. But um, but what underlies it is not volatile at all. That mm. 21 million is not volatile. It doesn't change. It is set in stone. Um, the issuance schedule to get to that 21 million is not volatile. It operates every 10 minutes, there's a new block. Every 10 minutes, there's a new set of transactions. Um, and so when you start to understand the, the certainty of Bitcoin, it becomes a lot easier to hold a material amount of your net worth in it um and as long as you're holding your own keys to that as long as you're not trusting other people with your money you're in the best possible uh position for making sure that you can secure multi-generational wealth for the long term you you and you know what
1: you know and you know does a good job of this because as you were describing it i just like spontaneously became a physics nerd like studying the laws of energy and you know michael saylor's a huge He was talking about it and it probably triggered a desire to like go deeper. And I was like, oh yeah, like that's how the universe works. Thank God that humans can't change the laws of the universe because we would, we would like try to change the laws and we would have never evolved to like where we are today if we could stop, right? You know, things that are perceived in a moment as bad, but are necessary for like the evolution of life in the universe. So and that's, that's kind of what Bitcoin reminds me of. It's like, I'm glad we can't change the rules because
2: like, yeah, that would be terrible. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that that is the value prop, right? Is that the rules can't be changed by somebody else. That is the key problem with the fiat world is that there's an elite group of people out there who can print money for themselves and their friends and you ain't in it. <laughs> you are not in that group, right? That yep. is the core value prop for the other, you know, Um, 8.999 billion people or how many people are in the world who are not in that group, right? Um, For the rest of us, we need an option to be able to opt out of that, um, of of having our value stripped away from us uh, in, uh, you know, over the long term as other people are able to just take it from us through printing money that they're giving to themselves and that they're giving to their friends
1: and and i I do and i do i do actually uh i do actually believe that like you said there's there's that in there but i actually think i actually believe i I like the helicopter parent example because parents that are helicopter parents they actually think that they're helping the kids you know what i mean like they don't think they're making them soft they don't they you know they're they're just in the moment trying to soothe their pain you know what i mean and so that's you know i i I, I
2: think I think there is a lot of that, right? Like, yeah. I'm not sure there are a lot of people who <laughs> have the ability to print money for themselves who think they're doing the right thing. Absolutely, uh, no, no doubt, right? Um, that doesn't change the effect Fact. of that Fact. policy of yeah. that way of working. It's a bad policy. It, it's just bad, right? Like nobody should have that amount of power. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, and so, uh, but Bitcoin fixes this, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can opt out of it. You can, uh, you can upgrade your money from fiat dollars to Bitcoin and be in a universe where it cannot be printed out from underneath you, uh, where you can send it around the world instantaneously and for virtually no cost at all, uh, where you can control it completely yourself without having to rely on anybody else and, and being subject to, uh, you know, being cut off from the value that you've worked so hard to obtain and secure. Um, You can opt out of it right it's a lifeboat you're talking about switzerland um you're still subject to their rules and and bank account right and they could change those at any time not the case with bitcoin those rules will always be the same
1: yeah no i like it i like it so uh alternative ways to store your bitcoin so now that i think we've laid the foundation now folks are thinking all right i gotta you know hold it on my own and keep my own password or keys Which is one option, but can you go through like the alternative options for storing your Bitcoin for people at different stages of their comfortability like, you know?
2: Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, if you are buying Bitcoin, a lot of people do that first on an exchange. And we talked about the the issues with that, but let me just uh, add a little extra context. Right. So one, you're trusting somebody else with your with your money. Um, But from a technical perspective the security of that IOU that you've got there is just a username and password. And that's a very weak form of authentication. Um, People's computers have malware on them all the time, right? You can, uh, you can very easily have that username and password um, compromised. Um, Or alternatively, your Bitcoin IOUs are protected by a customer support person who works at that Um, at at that exchange who could pretty easily be social engineered to uh, be tricked into thinking that this attacker is actually you and then they'll just send off the Bitcoin to that person and there's no getting it back right Um, Bitcoin transactions are are irreversible Um, and so there's there's a security first principle at play here which is that You're actually in a much weaker position when you're trusting somebody else, even if there's a bit of a learning curve for you to go from, I've never held my own Bitcoin to being comfortable with doing that, right? Um, The next step after you figure out, I should definitely be holding that, um, a lot of people will use a mobile wallet, right? It's a Bitcoin wallet that you can download from the iPhone store the Android store, um, and you can actually be holding your own keys. the key problem with doing that for large amounts of money is that those private keys, the, the, the keys to the kingdom that allow you to actually spend that Bitcoin is just stored on your phone and your phone is something that you take everywhere with you. Um, it's, it's always connected to the internet. And so you kind of seeing where I'm going with this, it's, it's a, it's a less secure way of holding Bitcoin. And so I certainly use a mobile wallet, but uh, I wouldn't do that for a large amount of money. Right. Um, there are other devices out there called hardware wallets or signing devices. Um, these are, they, they kind of look like little thumb drives. I've got one right here. you can see this in the, in the video, this is a Trezor. And it's built specifically for securing Bitcoin private keys. Um, those keys are generated on the device. They never leave the device uh, in terms of um, going to any other internet connected uh, computer and they are backed up uh, in a standard way, which we take our clients through when they're, when they're first going through this process. Uh, but it allows you to hold those private keys, not on a device that is connected to the internet um, and that you always take with you. You can secure this in what's called cold storage, uh, not hot storage like is, is on your phone. Um, and that allows you to be in a much more secure position for holding a larger amount of Bitcoin. And then finally the the best evolution of this which is what we help our clients to do is using multi-sig so when you're holding on your on your phone when you're holding it uh in a single hardware device we call that single sig and what that essentially means is that there's one key that is protecting that bitcoin and you need that one key in order to to spend the bitcoin away from you into another uh, bitcoin address well You do have the option, and this is built into the Bitcoin protocol. It's just part of the network. It's native to it. Uh, You have the option to protect Bitcoin behind multiple keys. And so the way that our uh, system and platform works is that Bitcoin is protected by three different keys, and two out of the three of those keys are required to move the Bitcoin out of the vault, as we call it. And our clients hold two out of the three of those keys, and we hold the third. So, that puts them in complete control over the Bitcoin. We couldn't move it if we wanted to because we only have one key and you need two out of the three. Um, and because there are two keys that they're controlling, they can put them in two different geographic locations, right? Most people will hold one in their home and then in a bank safety deposit box down the street or a trusted family member's house or an office uh, where they can lock it up somewhere, something like that, right? Um, and simply by taking those two keys and putting them in two different locations, you've eliminated all single points of failure. If something happens to one of those two keys, you still have the other one and Unchained has that third key and we can help you recover. Same goes for the inheritance planning scenario, right? If something happens to you, um, as long as your next of kin, whoever's going to be, um, inheriting that, or the executor of your will has access to one of those keys, they can give us a call and we can help them through that process because we have that, that, Uh, second key Um, and we're experts right we do this every day our entire business is there to support people um, not only when they're getting set up as i mentioned before but also on into the future as and when they have questions when they need support uh, and and when that inevitable day does come uh, we're there for for our clients families as well Uh, so that's really the overview of how custody works in in a very basic way Um, you don't have this option with the fiat financial world. You don't have this option with gold or cash or something like that where you can you can kind of secure Bitcoin in multiple places at the same time where neither one of those is a single point of failure. And you actually don't have to ever bring those keys together in the same place at the same time. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's novel. It's not something that exists anywhere else um, and, and really puts Bitcoin uh, above and beyond any other asset that's out there in terms of its scalability for holding a large amount of wealth, um, and being able to transfer that large amount of wealth in a very scalable way as well.
1: Yeah, no, I, and I'm and I'm I'm a fan of. Obviously, I'm a as you know, I'm a client of Unchained Capital because I you know I consider myself somebody who's relatively sophisticated in how to uh, do it. But but the fourth part, like what you said, it was the the uh, the knowing that. My Bitcoin is protected, but then also the ongoing support because I don't do this all day long. Right. Yeah. And there's all kinds of uh, changes that are happening. Right. And then even and I think you mentioned it, but maybe you didn't in case even the fact that I can upload a video, you know, in, in the system and say, hey, this is me, blah, 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 blah. So that way, if anything ever happens, like I can they know who I am uh, and uh, and or, you know, um, if something happens to me. My wife has a, you know, certain things in place that can help her uh, because she doesn't like she just knows to call Unchained Capital. Right. And and she has a list of what she needs to do to to work it out. But and y'all can walk her through it, which which was a selling point for me. So I think that's that's huge.
2: Yeah, uh, holding your own keys is, is obviously the most important part here and making sure that you're securing those in the proper way. And, and that's part of the education that we give our clients. But you also want to protect your account with us and all that. So we do have two factor authentication and video verification for when our key is being asked to sign. We have to go through a process of making sure that it's actually you who is asking uh, for that signature and not some attacker who's gotten a hold of of your account or one of your keys or something like that. Right. So. Um, yeah, all, all of those bases are covered. Uh, but, you know, the the important point is that, you know, again, you've got support coming in, you've got support in an ongoing fashion. And then when something does happen, you've got somebody to turn to for answering those questions and, and getting you back to good.
1: Awesome. We'll go to the last two questions. Uh, um, how do you feel about this being the future of how all assets are held right on some sort of blockchain technology, because I like the idea of
2: it. Uh, And that's the the first question. Um, It's a nice idea. Um, If you think back to my previous answer about what separates Bitcoin from these other things, um, you know, if you think about like holding stock on some kind of like blockchain network, that that can be done. Um, It also necessarily still requires an issuer and somebody who has the ability to change the the supply of that and manipulate it and, and do all that. So you're still trusting somebody. That's true. You know, a lot of the promise of some of these other projects is that everything's going to be on the blockchain. It's not feasible. It's not possible. It doesn't make sense. It's not. Uh, it's not efficient in any way, shape, or form. Right. A blockchain and um, th- this way of operating that is actually very cumbersome uh, to to maintain you know, hundreds of thousands of copies of the same database and series of transactions all over the world, which is the way that that Bitcoin works uh, and to be very computationally uh, intensive to make sure that the history of those transactions can't be changed. That's actually very inefficient, which is why we use centralized databases for the vast majority of the like data processing and, and that kind of stuff that we need. So, you know, I, I continue to believe that money is the killer app of of a blockchain so to speak Mm -hmm. Um, bitcoin is the best money and there's no real way to improve on bitcoin as money um because anything that would come along is going to have some kind of uh foundation or business or person in charge of it uh even if if only at the beginning to get it up and running that person has a lot of power over that right um and you can't improve on 21 million And zero percent terminal inflation, right? There's there's no way to improve on that. Um, Bitcoin has a very long established history now, 14 years of operating um, flawlessly, and you can't improve on that, right? You can't like um, go back in time and release something else that is newer or or longer uh, lasting than Bitcoin. Um, So you know that Lindy effect will will continue to place it, um, you know, at the top of the pyramid, so to speak, in terms of the the best assets that that you can hold yeah Yeah. go ahead Go ahead. yeah so the last thing i was going to say in in answer that question is when we just think about bitcoin itself uh, and how it continues to grow and uh, more and more people are holding more and more uh, amounts of it this idea of multi-sig and this ability for you to eliminate single points of failure and and uh cooperate with a service provider like unchained uh is really important for the ability of Bitcoin to be adopted mainstream, right? I fully believe that Bitcoin is going to become a global reserve asset uh, and maybe even a global reserve currency uh, over the next call it 20 to 50 years. Uh, but for that to happen and for people to accept it and use it in material amounts of their net worth, um, you know, on an everyday basis, they can't just be walking around with, you know, their their entire net worth on a little thumb drive that if they lose it, they're, you know, they're back to zero, right? That's not workable. Nobody expects that that's workable. Mm -hmm. Um, But Bitcoin does offer the ability to hold this asset without trusting other people in ways that you can't do with anything else. Uh, And so having that ability really puts it, uh, it makes it feasible. It makes it uh, accessible for people who want to hold large amounts of it. And that's the direction that we're going.
1: I can and, and I can so see as you were saying it, I think I might have heard it on the podcast before, but as you explained that I felt it to be true where I, I think what it what it probably would do to money is money is a medium exchange and store of value. Uh, and it's it, the dollar's already been bifurcating uh, out of store of value into things like real estate and stocks over the last 40 years, 40, 50 years. But I feel like that store of value uh, from a uh, from a riskless asset over time is really? going to Bitcoin, and then when you do take risks on on somebody where you have to trust them, right? Then you actually have to like be trustworthy uh, because there's options, uh, and and then and I think there'll be still money that's like a medium of exchange, right? Maybe it's liquid, you know. Maybe it's the dollar. Maybe it's some combination of you know all of those, but yeah, I think that makes complete sense now.
2: Yeah, um, th- there's been a lot of capital flowing into other assets that are being used as a store of value that are actually suboptimal store of value assets, right? So, you mentioned real estate, it's a perfect example. There are a lot of people around the world who hold a very large amount of value in real estate solely for that store of value uh, mechanism, uh, because real estate is hard to create, takes a lot of work and effort and time to do that. So the supply of it doesn't grow as fast as the demand does. Um, But the only reason that they are looking for that store of value uh, asset like real estate, like stocks, like bonds, um, is because the money that they would otherwise be using continues to be debased out from underneath of them, right? Um, And so they have to go further out on the risk curve by taking that money that doesn't have counterparty risk, uh, unless you're holding it in a bank, of course, and move it into real estate or move it into stocks or move it into bonds and become an investor. You can't just work and save and then retire. Uh, You have to like take this extra risk and become some kind of professional investor. That's not the way things should work, right? In a Bitcoin world, you can get back to just saving your value in money that cannot be debased, um, that Grows over the long term, uh, and you don't have to take that extra risk with it. Um, seeking out some way of not losing value over time. Got it.
1: Last, last question. What what exciting? Th- and I, let me clarify. I said liquid. I actually meant lightning. But that can be a whole another conversation. Mm, yeah. But uh, uh, what exciting things are you seeing happening in the Bitcoin economy that's not making
2: mainstream headlines? Uh, the the big two things that come to mind are lightning as you just mentioned uh and bitcoin mining and the energy element there so I'll start with lightning um, lightning has grown exponentially for anybody who doesn't know what this is it's what's considered to be a layer two where you can still in a trustless way use bitcoin um to have virtually infinite number of transactions uh over a short period of time without paying any fees like you would on the main chain so it's very very small fees it's really really great for small transactions Um, and there's there's always been a lot of um of question and FUD around Bitcoin can only do five seven transactions per second Um, that's absolutely not true lightning addresses that problem that trade-off that uh, Bitcoin has made to make sure that it stays decentralized at the base layer uh, by creating this secondary layer where we can pass around Bitcoin transactions very, very quickly without ever having to settle it down to the main chain or without, with having the ability of doing that at any time uh, as when we need to. And so that's the way that um, networks like Bitcoin and like the internet scale um you can think of bitcoin kind of like tcpip it's a protocol that sits the base layer and you and I are talking on layer I don't know six or seven or something (laughs) above that right which you know tcpip was developed what back in the 60s and 70s and now we're in 2022 uh and we've got video um you know chat and we've got Netflix and we've got uh Amazon deliveries and and all this stuff that took a while to build um and so lightning is is in the early early innings but the capacity of bitcoin that has been invested in it uh, is reaching new all-time highs pretty much every month um, we've got five thousand bitcoin um, that is part of the lightning network uh, and i think that's going to continue to grow very rapidly over the next few years there are a lot of people who are developing a lot around uh, around lightning the second thing is mining and energy um i really think that the The synergies between energy producers and Bitcoin miners are going to become very apparent to people in the energy space in the the next few years. And I think we're going to wake up five, 10 years from now and look back and there's not going to be any major energy producer that doesn't have Bitcoin mining integrated into their operations in some way, shape or form so in the early days we're seeing bitcoin miners that are sitting next to um, next to oil wells where there's they're flaring methane and they're taking that otherwise flared and wasted energy and using it to power bitcoin mining Um, that's good for the environment Um, it's good for the energy producers because they're not they don't have this wasted energy Uh, and then it's good for the bitcoin miners as well
1: well, and, and, and home affordability, go ahead, I'm sorry, but home affordability, because you can build out in places where you, where you normally wouldn't have build out because there was not enough, you know, homes.
2: That, that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, Bitcoin mining can provide a floor of demand uh, where nobody else would be willing to go for energy. And that opens up the opportunity for building out energy grids in places that you would otherwise not be able to do. Um, There's been a lot of work in Texas uh, and ERCOT to use Bitcoin mining to help stabilize the grid uh, and be that buyer of last resort when there's excess energy that uh, is being produced. uh, But then being able to shut off whenever that excess energy is actually demanded by the market when there's a big snow and ice storm, which rarely happens in Texas, but does sometimes. Right. As you know. And so um, if you haven't done any digging on Bitcoin mining and energy, I would highly encourage you and your audience to do so. It is extremely fascinating. I think it's the kind of the biggest dark horse that Bitcoin has going for it over the next five to ten years.
1: Well and I and I'm 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 a hundred percent in there. I, I had a conversation over Thanksgiving with the family and this is a preface and this is not a political statement, but we were talking about just objectively, right? I'm a I can't help but to Calculate odds on anything, and I was like, and we're talking about like the the governor race, and and I was like, I was not shocked that Governor Abbott won, simply because if you're old generation Texas money, then you're pro energy. If Mm. you're new generation money, then you understand Bitcoin. And I was like, and I said, and if you're paying attention and you actually are watching, uh, you know. And again, it's not a political statement, but this is just the fact Senator Cruz and Senator Abbott was very influential yeah. at making those marriages happen. Like it's, it's not behind the scenes hiding. It's like read articles, like study the industry. And they, they were, um, uh, got up to speed relatively quickly. And I'm like, they're finally earning their pay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. sorting through all the FUD and understanding, like you said, the problem that it solves with ERCOT, like in, in in my you know my uh people that I were talking to are older generation uh, folks in my family they are not pro uh Governor Abbott or sure. Ted Cruz right understandably on the social stuff but 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 when I explained it to them they were like not aware and they understood the economic impact of it when I broke it down I'm like that's that's like that's huge for like that, that set up Texas for another 500 years, you know, with all, you know, what I mean, be, be, because of what you just said.
2: The yeah, yeah, absolutely. And now, yeah, Bitcoin is definitely gaining allies in places like Congress, right. Uh, and around the world, um, you know, with different governments around the world. It does take time. Right. There's there is a big learning curve and <laughs> we're talking about something that people are not familiar with. That is can be a little bit scary when they don't know anything about it. Um, that the corporate media seems hellbent on funding at every turn, right? Like there's not <laughs> there's not a whole lot of of good faith due diligence that has been done by legacy media platforms uh, to help people to actually understand what this is and what the implications of it are. Um, but Bitcoin doesn't really care. It continues to grow. That 21 million doesn't change. So maybe bringing it back uh, and and wrapping up, um, you know, you're asking what is exciting in in Bitcoin that people aren't talking about. Um, I would just provide a counter to that by just making the statement that what's really exciting about Bitcoin is what is not being developed or changed. What is not being changed is 21 million Bitcoin. Right. What is not being changed is the consensus mechanism by which Bitcoin is governed. Um, What is not being changed is the ability for Bitcoin holders who are holding their own keys to have full and complete unilateral control over their wealth um, without anybody else being able to interfere in that. Um, Those are things that are really, really exciting to me that will continue on to the future that provide a stable foundation for a new money to kind of take over the globe and be adopted in different par- pockets of the world, and before we know it, um, you know, it'll just be part of everyday life, right? It'll just be something that you look around and your friends have a little Bitcoin, and instead of instead of uh, paying your buddies back for a beer with Venmo, you're gonna send them some Sats, you know, from from your mobile wallet to theirs, uh, and it just. It just becomes easy right our kids are going to be using this and and for them that's you know my daughters talk about sats right they know what bitcoin is it's not Mm -hmm. a foreign object to them it's not anything that's going to be such a huge learning curve for them uh and so um time marches on bitcoin provides a heartbeat every 10 minutes of a new block of transactions it never stops beating doesn't care about the price the prices is is secondary right it's important uh it's an important indicator of adoption over the long term and it will continue to go up I believe right as that adoption continues to happen because again that supply is restricted to 21 million it's one thing that is not ever changing um but when you focus on Bitcoin as being the most stable thing in the world not the most volatile thing in the world when we're thinking about the actual fundamentals of what it is and how it works and what it does um, then you can kind of take your thought process to a different level of understanding that if you don't have at least some portion of your net worth uh, protected in money that can't be debased um, on keys that you can, that only you control um, you're leaving a lot on the table and, and risking a lot um, by having, you know, hundred percent of your net worth in the fiat world.
1: Well, I obviously agree. Can you let everybody know how they can, uh, reach out to you if they want more information on what Unchained Capital does to help folks buy and protect their Bitcoin?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, our website is unchained.com. Um, we offer complimentary consultations. So if you go to, to uh, unchained.com slash consultation or just go to the website and, and click on that button, um, you'll be connected with myself or somebody on my team. Uh, and we're happy to, to talk you through our process and, and give you some more details on what we do and how all that works. Um, uh you can follow me on on twitter uh at t s underscore HODL, h o d l uh and you can connect with me on linkedin um but uh really enjoy the conversation thanks Philip. um really great catching up we should do this uh you know once every every year six months or something and and see how things are developing
1: i i definitely would enjoy it i'm a, i'm gonna run the 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 disclaimer and if you could hold on for a little bit i'm uh uh run this and then we'll Chat for us thirty seconds.
0: Uh.